Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. Today, it's uh, Greg, and I have Jeff here with me, and we are going to discuss how to save weight on your mountain bike. These days, it seems like mountain bikers are cutting back on their obsession with saving bike weight in favor of heavier upgrades like dropper posts, larger tires, and other things that make the ride a bit more comfortable and fun. But that doesn't mean that riders and manufacturers alike aren't continuing to seek ways to cut frame and component weights. So Jeff, what are the advantages of a lighter bike? So the advantages of a lighter bike are probably pretty obvious to most people, but basically it's going to be easier to pedal. Uh, you're going to be able to climb better on a lighter bike, and it's also going to handle a little bit better. So it's going to make it easier to get the bike up in the air and to you know corner and handle and do all the things you want to do on the bike. Basically, uh, the bike's not going to be fighting you as much. So that's really the main advantage of a light bike. So I've heard that a heavy downhill bike offers an advantage over one that is too light because you're solely going downhill. You're not worried about pedaling it uphill. Do you think that's true or false? I don't know. I mean, this is this is something that I've heard as well, especially several years ago when people were starting to think about carbon fiber downhill bikes. Some people, some of the old school people thought you needed a bigger bike that it, you know, stayed it was more stable, I think, is one of the things that people tend to think about a heavier downhill bike. Um, and like you said, you don't have to pedal it uphill, so there isn't a lot of advantage. But um, if we just look at you know the World Cup circuit and race results and things, I mean, we'll see that the lighter bikes are the faster bikes, and you know I think that's been pretty well proven at this point. So I've heard some people analyze the difference between sprung weight versus unsprung weight in terms of suspension. Can you explain that a little bit and what the differences are? Yeah, so and this this will tie sort of into the idea about why downhill bikes should be light or they shouldn't be light. Basically, sprung versus unsprung weight. Unsprung weight is anything that's not supported by your suspension. So that means brakes, wheels, tires. It's really not a big part of the bike. Most of the weight on a bike is going to be sprung. So if you're talking about handling, really you're talking about the sprung weight and you're talking about how the suspension is able to basically manage that weight. So that's what really matters on a mountain bike is getting as much weight as possible to be sprung. So I wonder, though, if that is a little bit different in motorsports versus mountain biking. Because in mountain biking, a lot of times we hear about um, wanting to reduce the rotational mass um, and the rotational weight in a bike. And by that definition, that would be the unsprung weight, correct? Yeah, so that's where it gets a little confusing. So rotational mass, you're absolutely right. That plays into bike handling and is important because it's more about acceleration. So if you have a lighter weight wheel tire combo, um, that's going to be a lot easier to accelerate. And in mountain biking, we accelerate a ton. You know, there's a lot of braking and, you know, sharp, steep transitions from uphill to downhill. So mountain bikers are constantly accelerating, unlike say a road bike where you keep a pretty constant cadence and pace. So 
Yes, rotational mass is super important for acceleration, but for handling, um, it doesn't make a lot of difference. And in some of my research, uh, I found people comparing, they would take a bike, you know, say a trailer, an all mountain bike, and try different, two different wheel sets on it and see how the handling improved or uh, got worse. And a lot of people said that they found, you know, a heavier wheel set actually made the handling better. So that's still, I guess, open for debate a little bit, um, whether or not sprung weight matters. But it definitely does matter when you're talking about rotational acceleration. I think perhaps another issue with comparing to motorsports is that we're the motor on the bicycle. So if you have a really heavy wheel set, you're the one that needs to turn and propel that wheel set instead of like a really big engine. So if you have a heavy wheel that can feel like a lot more work. Like I just put on a, a new tire the other day because I'd flat it. I was like, I don't want to get another flat, put on a new tire. The new tire I put on was literally a pound heavier than the last one. Wow. And it uh, felt like a boat anchor. It, it was a massive difference. Yeah, it definitely makes a difference on a bike for sure. So, you know, we're talking about differences in weight, but a lot of these things cost money to change. So what are some of the costs involved in reducing bike weight? So that's, you know, when you look at mountain bike components these days um, and you look at the higher end components, a lot of times the main reason those components cost so much is because they are lightweight. Um, you know, you look at the top of the line, the basic difference is that, you know, part X weighs a lot less than part Y, which is cheaper. And, you know, one example, I was just looking at stems. We were looking at our gear survey from 2017, seeing which stems people thought were the best. And one of the most popular stems is from Envy, and it's their carbon fiber stem. And this stem costs 250 260 bucks, uh, whereas compared to all the other stems, you know, those are like $100. And for that extra 150 bucks, you're saving 25 grams. So you can see that you can quickly spend a lot of money to save just even tiny amounts of weight. Envy even has a payment plan for that stem if you want it. It's only 23 bucks a month, um, which again just just shows you like the lengths people are willing to go to save weight on their bikes. You know they'll they'll do anything to pay for that. But the other cost that's not monetary is the strength and durability of the part. So if we, if we look at aluminum, for example, and you know, if you want to make a lighter weight aluminum part, what you're going to need to do is you're going to need to reduce thicknesses. You know, if we're talking about a handlebar, for example, you're going to want to reduce the thickness of the bar to save weight. But once you start doing that, obviously you're making it less strong. And you're also, in a lot of cases, you're making things less durable. You know, if we think about tires, you know, you can buy really lightweight tires and again, they're thinner. So they're more likely to have sidewall issues or, you know, sealant leaking out and all kinds of stuff like that. So durability and strength are definitely costs as well. Even if you, even if the monetary cost is not a big deal to you, you know, going lightweight can cost you in other terms. So one place where the bike can't compromise on strength is the frame because most frames need to meet certain standards even to be sold. So how are manufacturers working to reduce bike weights in the frame without sacrificing that durability? Yeah, so 
you know, when carbon came along, you know, and it's been a while now, it's been 10, 15 years since people have been building carbon mountain bikes, you know, that alone was a big innovation over any of the, you know, aluminum and steel frames that were available at the time. So carbon fiber itself is a, it's a wonder material in terms of saving weight. But these days, companies are finding ways to make carbon even lighter weight. They're using different carbon fibers. They're, they're changing up the resins and doing all kinds of things that, in a lot of cases, it makes the carbon more expensive. So you're seeing companies like Yeti and Santa Cruz offering two different flavors of carbon with the more exotic one and more expensive one being lighter weight because it is stronger and they're able to use less material. One thing I learned at Interbike last year is that a big thing that a lot of carbon uh, bike manufacturers are working on is cleaning up the inside of the carbon tubes. This is a spot you'll never see, but apparently in the old days, in uh, most frames, there's a lot of leftover carbon from the process in the tube. And now bike companies are looking at that and they're like, well, if we just clean up this process and clean this extra leftover carbon out of the tubes, they're still just as strong, but we're saving a ton of weight. So people are dialing in, you know, this process of creating carbon tubes more and more every year, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And another place I think I heard too was, you know, in the process or in maybe the older carbon fiber process, uh, they would use a bladder inside to form the tube around. So it'd be sort of like inflating a balloon and then wrapping the the carbon fiber over it and then putting the resin on it. Um, and then they would essentially pop the balloon or whatever once everything was cured. But then they would just leave that membrane inside the tube. So uh, yeah, companies have eliminated, they've either changed the process where they don't need the bladder anymore or they're finding ways to pull it out. So yeah. Definitely, everybody seems really focused on continuing to save weight in the process of frame building. Another thing that, beyond the materials, is, you know, these days people are using more sophisticated computer programs to design the bikes themselves, uh, where they can, they can dial in exactly, you know, where they need the strength in the frame and where they can afford to eliminate things. So, um, they can cut out, you know, unnecessary structures and braces and things like that based on what the computer model tells them. Um, and before, in the old days, people would have to kind of do these calculations by hand and trial and error, but now they can dial it down and get it super exact and super efficient as well. So what about components? What's happening on the component side to continue to drop weight? So one of the big things um, that comes to mind for me is simplifying components. So you're seeing the whole one-by drivetrain thing take off. And while it's not uh, entirely about weight savings, you know, a lot of it is performance-based. But, you know, people are eliminating that front shifter and that front derailleur, which, you know, saves some weight. As components continue to evolve as well, we're seeing a lot of people just find really creative ways to cut weight in addition. Uh, a good example could be um, SRAM's new cassettes for their one by drivetrains, especially on the top end, like the XX1 cassette is one piece of metal that's been machined out and is extremely low weight, especially compared to comparable things from Shimano. So cutting away as much material as possible is sort of a theme. And another example of that is a recent 9.8 fall line R dropper post. And they 
have created the first cuttable dropper post. So you can cut the bottom part of it away, the non-moving part of the post to get it as short as possible um, so you can save as much weight as possible. So these things are pretty small in the grand scheme of things, but over time they pretty they begin to add up really quickly. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point that, um, you know, it's not just the design side, it's the manufacturing side as well. Um, you know, in the old days before... 3D printing and, you know, four axis CNC machining, maybe you could come up with a great design that um, saves weight and is just as strong as the original, but uh, you might not have had a way to actually produce it. You know, the machines just didn't exist. But now, you know, you hook up that computer design to a computer aided uh, piece of equipment and it can, it can do things that weren't possible before. So that's really cool to see. And then the other things that we talked about with the frame changes, you know, those are happening in components as well. So handlebars and stems and, you know, seat posts and everything like that, the same thing, cutting away material, making it thinner uh, and using different materials as well. So a general rule of thumb is that to save about a pound of frame weight, this is generally upgrading from an aluminum to a carbon frame, costs roughly $1,000. And that's a lot to save a pound of weight. And we're talking about the NV stem. I mean, that's, that's an even worse way to save weight per dollar. So what are some inexpensive or value-oriented tips for saving bike weight that might not cost that much? Yeah, so one of the easiest ways, you know, if you're willing to go this route is to eliminate suspension on your bike entirely. Obviously, that's not for everybody, but fully rigid mountain bike is going to be way lighter than a full suspension bike or even a hardtail with a suspension fork on it. Um, and you can get an inexpensive carbon fork for your bike even uh, these days. It's, you know, you find one for two, three hundred bucks um, and put that on a bike and Especially, this is especially good for people who are, you know, people ask us all the time, like, what's a good starter bike or a good budget-friendly mountain bike? If, you, if you're serious about that, then you should really consider a, a rigid bike because you can't get a lighter bike than that, and it's going to be really inexpensive because those suspension parts, they cost a lot of money. Another way you could go is to go tubeless on your tires if you haven't already. Uh, each tube weighs a lot, like about a pound. Mm -hmm. And uh, depending on, uh, you know, if you've got a good wheel set that you can do an easy tubeless conversion, that's going to save you a lot of weight right there. And it's going to ride a heck of a lot better. Yeah, that's that's a super easy one. Also, yeah, lightweight tires. You know, people, a lot of us swap out tires based on conditions. But even if you're not doing that, you you got to replace your tires every year or two anyway because they're going to be getting worn down. So if you if you want to save weight at the same time while you're getting a new set of tires, then look into some lightweight tires. There are a lot of brands that you know have reputations for having really lightweight tires. Um, but again, at the expense of durability you know these are tires that a lot of cases they may be they may be designed really just for racing you know race day when you want to get your bike as light as possible and as fast as possible um, but again you can you can shop around and find the right sort of happy medium uh, of a tire that's lightweight but it's also gonna work well for your everyday rides so you can analyze every component to try to lose weight, but a general rule of thumb, like we were talking about before, if you can eliminate a component altogether, that's going to save you weight So, or reduce the size and weight of it. So one thing you could do is cut your bars down if 
you know, they're longer than you need them to be. You could eliminate a derailleur. We already talked about eliminating suspension, but you can eliminate your drivetrain altogether and go with a single speed drivetrain. That's the lightest drivetrain you could buy. I mean, that's not going to be ideal for everyone, but the more things you can eliminate, the lighter it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. A, a rigid single speed, that could be a really lightweight bike and yeah, it wouldn't have to cost you a ton of money. Also foam grips. I, I was really blown away recently looking again at a bunch of grips for a roundup that we were doing. Um, and just seeing the weight savings that you can get if you just slap a pair of old school, like foam grips onto your handlebars, uh, instead of, you know, the, um, traditional lock on grips, again, they're not going to work as well. And they're going to be a pain to, you know, slide on and off. But if weight savings is what you're going for, then you're going to save weight and they're a lot cheaper than lock on grips. So another thing that often gets overlooked when discussing bike weight and frame weight is the gear that you put on your bike. And we're not even talking necessarily gear in your backpack, but just the gear you're carrying on your bike. For instance, if you've got two water bottle cages in this hardtail single speed we're talking about, and you have a 24-ounce bottle in each cage full of water, 24 ounces of water is uh, over a pound and a half plus the bottle. So if you're carrying more water than you actually need, that's a lot of extra weight. So just dropping one bottle, if you really only need to have one with you, will save you 1.5 pounds. And going off of you know, the $1,000 per pound number, that's $1,500 that you just saved right there. So you know, the same thing goes with your multi-tool, your tube that you're carrying, the pump that you're carrying in case you flat. I mean, this is why most racers carry a CO2 instead of a pump. That's a heck of a lot lighter and faster. So analyze all the gear that you're also putting on the bicycle and you can, that might be the cheapest way you can save weight right there. Yeah. So I'm also starting to think of, you know, more crazy ways that I've heard of people trying to save weight. And one of the things that some people have mentioned is, you know, they, they clean their bike, they keep it really clean. So there's no dirt on it. Cause you know, that dirt adds up. And I actually did this experiment where I had a really dirty bike and I weighed it and then I washed it off, got all the dirt and mud that was caked on there off of it. And then I weighed it again and it was exactly the same. So dirt doesn't weigh <laughs> as much as you think it might. I'm sure there's exceptions where you could, you really get a bike very dirty. Um, but what, what a lot of people will do, like, especially in a race, if it's going to be muddy, people will like spray down their bike with cooking spray or something like that. So that the mud just kind of slides off and doesn't start getting caked up and weighing you down. I got to imagine like wet mud weighs a lot more than dried, dried on dirt because you don't have the water content. Anymore. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I was weighing dry dirt, so that could be why I didn't see a big difference. Another thing is in this one's probably obvious to most people. And, but yeah, when you get a new bike, a lot of times it has like reflectors and things on it. And this is, this is because it's required by law. You know, in most states, you can't sell a bike, even a high end, you know, really expensive, nice bike. Local bike shops, they can't let it roll off the floor without reflectors on it. Um, so you can, you know, it's up to you, but you can take those off. Most people take them off. That saves a little bit of weight. And then there's also the little, they call it the pie plate. So that's the thing behind your cassette that basically keeps your chain from being shifted up into your spokes. Uh, so it's a little plastic disc um, that you can take off and yeah, just make sure your derailleur is tuned so that you're, you don't need that. And 
there you go. You save a little bit more weight. Nice. So a question that we've gotten quite a few times is regarding weight savings on the mountain bike versus your own body. So so what do you think? Is it more important to cut weight off your mountain bike or off of yourself? And does one pound in body fat equal one pound in bike weight? <laughs> or are they not even comparable? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. I, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's hard for me to gauge that personally. But I will say that your body weight is sprung weight. So that is something that you do want to eliminate if you can. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you feel better, obviously. So, you know, if that's the goal with losing bike weight, you know, making you feel faster and fitter and stronger, then, um, yeah, I say, I say it is the same. But, you know, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I go back and forth on this. But I would say, like, one pound is one thing. But, like, if we start talking about five to ten pounds, I think that's going to – Five to 10 pounds of bike weight is a heck of a lot. I mean, that's like 33% more off of a 30-pound bike if you had 10 pounds of bike weight. And that's going to have a huge difference on how your bike handles below you. Whereas if you drop 10 pounds of fat, you're going to feel faster, but the bike is still going to handle the same way. So I think it depends if we're talking just like sheer speed geeking up the mountain versus like how the bike handles or flicks or jumps or different things like that. Yeah. I mean, if we look at it from a purely like physics perspective, um, you know, you're going to expend more energy, um, no matter what, you know, if you're, if you weigh more. So whether you lose five pounds off your body or off your bike, it's going to require the same drop in energy, if that makes sense. But again, there are a lot of other factors that play, um, in terms of how it makes you feel, but, you know, just looking purely at the energy they should be, they should trade off one to one. So if you got some body weight to lose, go ahead and do that because that's a lot cheaper. So we've been talking sort of in generalities about how to lose weight on your bicycle, but how much do bikes weigh? And why is it hard to sometimes draw comparison between one bike and another bike? Yeah. I mean, this is something that I find a little bit annoying, but maybe that's just because, you know, I'm trying to write about these bikes and compare them for my job. But, but yeah, I mean, it's hard because different size bikes are going to have different weights. So a lot of companies, when they're marketing their bikes that, you know, they just, they, they can't go through the trouble of weighing every single size, small, medium, large, extra large. Um, especially when you start thinking about the different builds that they have. So just swapping out one component is going to make a big difference. And then the other really weird thing that might be hard to believe is that the same part will weigh different amounts um, based on like the production run. So I've heard cases of people, uh, for example, you know, they're buying like a new XTR cassette. They will email you know, a retailer, they'll email like Jensen USA and say, Hey, I want to buy one of these. Can you weigh like the ones you have in stock and give me the one that weighs the least? Because there is variation, you know, again, that's why like when we write an article about a part, a bike component, we say that we usually list the claimed weight and the claimed weight is going to be like an average of all the weights of the things coming off their assembly line, but there's going to be variation and it can be, it can be several grams in a lot of cases. Um, and it's, again, it's not the company's being deceptive. It's just, you know, the manufacturing tolerances aren't the same. And so, yeah, you're going to see a variation. And it's, so it's hard to nail down an exact number. 
So as a rule of thumb, though, good trail bikes these days are generally between 28 to 30 pounds. And that's where most things have settled out. And it's I mean, this could be another podcast in and of itself. But it's interesting that, you know, as we talked about, we're adding heavier things like dropper posts to our bikes. And for the most part, most brands have decided that they can hit 28 to 30. They're doing pretty dang good on their bike weight. Yeah, that's a really good point. I've noticed the same thing um, and that, yeah, that weight, that 28 to 30 pounds seems to be holding pretty steady uh, despite us, you know, adding heavier stuff back on. And it it is crazy because we'll get, we get a lot of bikes in for review and we've been weighing them all over the past year or so. And yeah, every time it's like 28 to 30 pounds for a trail bike. So yeah, that's, that seems to be a pretty good guess if you're trying to guess. So how can somebody figure out exactly how much their mountain bike weighs if now they're really curious and they've never done it before? So one of the easiest ways um, that people do it is they'll step on a bathroom scale, weigh themselves, and then step off the scale, hold the bike, and then see what that weight is, and then subtract their body weight out. And this will be pretty good, but you know, a lot of bathroom scales, I think mine at home is accurate within like half a pound maybe. So, you know, you're not going to get an exact weight on your bike, but if you, if you do want something more specific, you can use uh, like a hanging scale. So feedback sports makes one of these where it's a scale with a hook and you like hook your bike on it and it'll tell you the weight. And the one we've got in the office here is accurate within like one hundredth of a pound or one hundredth of a kilogram, which is yeah, like ten grams or something. So you can get it you can get a pretty good feel for that. And a lot of shops will have a scale in the shop. So if you want to wheel your bike by and see what it weighs, um they probably help you out with that. So final question for you, Jeff, what's the lightest mountain bike you've ever heard of? So I actually came across a bike on bikerumor.com. It was a profile of somebody who had you know, taking on this project of building up the lightest bike that they possibly could. And basically this, this person built up a mountain bike, which, you know, maybe not everybody would even consider a mountain bike at this point, but this bike weighed 11.1 pounds to, to get to that point. You know, this guy basically had to like, he drilled, drilled out like the frame to take away like carbon material that he didn't think was necessary. And, modified the wheels to only use like 10 spokes or something instead of 24 and just basically cut out weight every way that he could. But he was able to get the bike down to 11.1 pounds. So the sky is the limit, I guess, when it comes to making your your bike as light as possible. Well, that is a pretty dang light bicycle and mine will probably never get to that point, but it's fun to dream sometimes. Yeah. I can imagine that it rode very well. I think that's part of the problem. That was what all the comments were saying too. People were just like, well, one, people were scared to even, they said I would never even ride that because it would just break as soon as I get onto the trail. But yeah, other people were just saying it would probably ride, but it would just feel like crap and beat you up. So not for everybody. Awesome. Well, this has been a great discussion, Jeff. Thanks for joining me today. And if you guys have more questions about light mountain bikes, how to make your mountain bike lighter or anything related to that, be sure to hit up the single tracks forums and uh, ask your question there. I'm sure a couple dozen people will weigh in with their perspectives for you. So that's all we have today. Thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you again next time. Peace. Peace.